Welcome back to another episode of Our Maryland's Politics and Policy Podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Leatherberry. Today, we'll be talking about immigration with Elizabeth Alex of Casa de Maryland. DACA, border walls, ICE, TPS, naturalization, citizenship, immigration, all topics that in today's sociopolitical landscape can be extremely polarizing and utterly complex. Immigrant justice issues have always been a pivotal part of U.S. politics, federally and at the state level. In the past decade, fast-changing demographics, both ethnically and economically, have been coupled with growing ethnocentrism and fears of immigrant populations. Politicians and advocacy groups are attempting to keep up with these rapid changes and reform an immigration system that, to many, feels insufficient and antiquated. Within the past year alone, the general public, often removed from the immigration debate, has been exposed to the direct effects of hardline immigration policies and the lives of the people hanging in the balance. In Maryland, one in seven residents are immigrants, half of which are naturalized citizens. In 2015, 15.2% of the state's population was comprised of people born outside of the United States, with the largest segment of that population coming from Central America. The immigrant population in Maryland also plays a vital role in Maryland's economy, accounting for one-fifth of the labor force. Expectedly, immigration policy and immigrant justice issues have the potential to affect all Marylanders and are at the forefront of this year's gubernatorial campaign. Here to explain more about Casa de Maryland is Elizabeth Alex, Senior Director of Community Organizing. Welcome, Liz. Thank you. So what what is Casa? Uh, when did the organization begin, and what are some of its core issues? Uh, so Casa is uh, an, the largest, currently the largest immigrant rights organization in the Atlantic region, um, but we weren't always that big. Uh, we were founded over 30 years ago in the basement of the Presbyterian Church in Tacoma Park, Maryland, uh, honestly to provide direct services and immediate relief uh, in the wake of a, a wave of refugees who were coming from Central America, from El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras uh, after civil strife and natural disasters in the 80s. Since then, our, our program has grown dramatically, both in scope and in size. Uh, so from a very bare-bones direct service program, we are now sort of a comprehensive uh, organization providing both direct services as well as community organizing and advocacy uh, with immigrant and working-class communities throughout the Mid-Atlantic. In Pennsylvania, it is throughout Maryland and in Northern Virginia. And what are some of the core issues that CASA focuses on now? Uh, with immigration advocacy and immigration campaigns. Uh, 
So I would say here is that I would say immigration is an overall, so the overarching goal, uh, an ongoing campaign, and at the local and state level that tends to manifest specifically in policing campaigns uh, to ensure that local police are treated fairly and are also not discriminating or collaborating with federal immigration authorities. Uh, that also includes things like access to education and fair funding for schools with uh, disproportionate numbers or higher numbers of people or Latino or African American children, as well as access to, to college uh, in terms of things like the Maryland Street Mass, which we passed in 2012, and uh, supporting initiatives like the Mayor's College Program in Baltimore City right now to ensure that, uh, that all of our high school students have a fair chance. Those are some great issues. And can you talk a little bit about why the things that CASA covers are important to all Marylanders? Yeah, I think really the issues that are important to our members tend to be the same issues that are important uh, to working class people across the state, but also to honestly um, all Marylanders. Really, they're, they're really based on these fundamental values of uh, of access to resources, of fairness, of justice, of keeping families together, and of really providing opportunities where everybody can thrive. Uh, right? We know that in in local jurisdictions where community policing is working well, and where more resources are put into education and youth programming than into policing and uh, correctional uh, institutions. Everybody does better. So those are issues that cut across constituencies, but that are very important uh, and compelling within immigrant communities as well. I see. And we've seen a lot of focus on immigration issues nationally and in the states, especially in the past few weeks. How do the actions by the Trump administration and Congress on immigration, um, how do they affect Marylanders and what can Marylanders do? So I think in the last couple of weeks, we've seen a lot of people sort of recently become aware of the injustices of our immigration system. Unfortunately, for most of our members at CASA, none of it is new. Uh, this is just the latest iteration uh, of a system that is fundamentally broken. And I think that's why you're hearing uh, and starting to hear with a, a louder and louder voice a call to completely dismantle ICE, completely dismantle DHS, uh, and rebuild it from the ground up as an agency that reflects our values. Uh, we know that uh, for several administrations, families have been being ripped apart by uh, a mismatch network patchwork of immigration laws that doesn't allow uh, for people to come here as whole people and as whole families. Uh, and it provides and, and, and over-criminalizes people, especially uh, people who are with less resources, who don't already speak English, and whose skin is not white. Uh, and so, honestly, this is, this is part of why we're hearing this rally in part of the country to just abolish ICE, abolish DHS, uh, and let's start from the ground up with building a federal agency and a federal immigration system that honestly goes back to the core values of our country. And another 
core value of our country, of course, is, you know, having the opportunity to grow and work. Um, in Maryland, we've seen some labor shortages, for instance, in the crab industry. Those have been said to be a result of deportation fears. Um, what issues are affecting immigration populations in Maryland today? And what role did new immigrant populations play in Maryland's economy? Yeah, I mean, there's so many parts of Maryland's economy that depend heavily on immigrant workers. Uh, we, we see this most frequently in the agriculture sector, on the eastern shore. Uh, we also, I think every year there's a, some story about the, uh, the horse racing industry and the people that take care of the horses. Uh, and I think what we've seen over the last five or six years is as the process, you know, for, for decades before that, it was not that hard for those industries to procure workers through a temporary guest worker type program where people could come here, work goodly, make the money they needed, go back to their home country, and then come back the next year because this is, a lot of these industries are industries that are short-term and temporary and seasonal. Uh, they didn't need workers all year round. They only need them for months. Uh, and that was a system that worked. For everybody. Now, in some cases, there were abuses, but for overall, it was a pretty good system. Uh, as that system got more and more backlog, as the number of visas continued to be reduced, at the levels of, you know, particularly post 9-11, that entire system got harder and harder for both employers and workers. Uh, it began to be impossible for employers to apply for the visas get people here physically, uh, you know, and ready to work and trained and ready to work in time. You know, if you miss the season for planting your vegetables or harvesting the mushrooms or uh, you miss, the, you know, the narrow window of crab season, there's no point in having the workers. And so that's when employers started to get frustrated with and workers started to get frustrated with. And so we saw... Uh, we saw people beginning to stay beyond the time of their visa because they knew that if they left, they would never be able to come back. Uh, and that's, you know, a signal and a symptom of our broken system. I will say beyond those industries that we think of uh, frequently in Maryland, there are, there's a significant number of immigrant labor working all around us every day in every county of the state. Um, immigrant women are taking care of our children, they're taking care of our parents, uh, they're frequently cleaning the office building after hours, uh, and so a lot of these are, are jobs that are a little bit invisible or less visible to the public eye and get less attention, but are really some of the core building blocks of, of allowing other sort of middle class workers or our higher class workers to be doing their jobs. And so Without, if you take one piece of that puzzle away, the whole tower starts tumbling down. And I think, I think as we reach a real crisis point on immigration, people are going to start recognizing just how much we all depend on immigrant workers in Maryland. Very true, um, and we've, we're certainly seeing it now. Um, I know you mentioned community policing and things that Casa works on that are good for all Marylanders. What other sorts of things does CASA do to build inclusive and safe communities for immigrants in Maryland? So I think 
I think this can take a lot of different, um, different, this can look differently in different places. Um, but fundamentally, there's a combination of really building neighborhoods that are safe for everyone and where everyone's uh, contributions are welcome and, uh, and a part of growing that neighborhood. And that starts at the neighborhood level but goes to the city level and the state level, right? So I think um, if we advocate, for example, for inclusionary housing policy that has people of mixed income purposely living together in the same neighborhood, that's good for everyone, right? There's all kinds of data to back that up that those you know, kids that grew up in that neighborhood are going to have better educational outcomes, there's going to be less uh, less people are going to leave from that neighborhood, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so, so policies like that start at the neighborhood level and then, you know, build out uh, are, are really the, I would say, like the, the core of any of this community development, community building work that we do. Same thing with policing, right? It starts at a very neighbor, neighborhood level where if, if, if what we think of as community safety is broader than just police enforcement and includes everyone feeling welcome, everyone feeling like um, they have someone that they can rely on and that they know where to go to call for help when they need it and they don't fear that they will be penalized, criminalized, or otherwise persecuted by, for asking for help. Um, those are the kinds of neighborhoods that people will thrive in and that will attract new people. And when we sort of bring that to scale, then we start to get, you know, citywide policies and statewide policies that really reflect our values uh, of, of being an inclusive society, of recognizing the value of every person and recognizing the fact that our diversity is a strength and not a weakness. And I'm glad you mentioned policy in terms of policy and advocacy efforts in recent years and in the legislative sessions, were there any big wins or losses for CASA? So I think two sort of major legislative wins at the state level that have, that have happened in the past few years have been uh, the Maryland Dream Act in 2012. Well, I guess we passed it in the legislature in 2011 and then it was a referendum. Uh, in 2012, and that was important for a few reasons. One, obviously, because it, it helped hundreds of, of immigrant students access college who otherwise may not have access to college, but it was also a referendum, and so it was the first time in the state's history where we had data, we had a popular vote of where does our state stand on an issue related to immigration. Uh, and I think most people were surprised by just how strongly Marylanders stood up for immigrants in 2012. Um, you know, questions were passed by significant margins in parts of the state that nobody thought it would. And I think that was a tipping point to some extent uh, for, uh, for parts of the state, like Baltimore County, Anne Arundel County, parts of Howard County, uh, parts of the Eastern Shore, uh, that maybe had been becoming more pro-immigrant, uh, but had felt safe saying that. I think we've seen in more recent years those areas of the state uh, taking more progressive stance on immigration issues. 
So even just the year following that, we had a second major statewide victory, uh, which was the passage of the Federal Highway Safety Act, which allowed uh, immigrant drivers to access Maryland driver's licenses uh, and be able to have insurance and drive safely on our highway. Those were two major statewide victories. I would say, you know, in the interim, we we also played a pretty significant role in the you know in the in the creation and, and implementation of the DACA program under President Obama, right? The Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals Program, because the single largest provider uh, assisting DACA recipients in the state of Maryland uh, throughout the state, and we helped thousands and thousands of young people access a social security number and a work permit come out of the shadows for the first time, which was a huge, um, a huge task, but also a really important victory. And it continues to this day because many of these DACA recipients are still here in Maryland. They're working in our schools. They're working in uh, professional careers. And they're honestly starting to train the next generation of immigrant and Latino youth. So we're in an important election year. What is CASA in action, and how does it get involved in educating and mobilizing voters within the immigrant populations? Sure. CASA in action is uh, a 501 organization that does participate in political activity. It's a separate organization from CASA. Um, and it's a membership-based organization. So CASA in action has uh, tens of thousands of Maryland residents who are, are who form our membership. And as an organization, Session this year proposed a pretty serious set of uh, issue priorities to all the candidates. The candidates and the governor's race in a number of key uh, state Senate and House races, as well as a number of county executive races. So in the primary, um, we issued those those questionnaires, and we got some really amazing results, and as a result, Cousin Action endorsed a number of candidates and did a fair amount of work in turning out the vote on behalf of those progressive candidates who have, uh, who have committed to stand with our members on core issues like raising the minimum wage, like uh, preventing ICE collaboration with local and state police, like increasing share funding for uh, low-income schools and ESL schools. And so uh, just this just last week, you know, we came out of several weeks of uh, running program knocking doors. And interestingly enough, you know, one of those one of those programs was right here in Baltimore County. We also had a program in Prince George's and Montgomery County. We were knocking on doors, talking to voters, uh, and explaining why present action was endorsing Ben Jealous, um, what the issues are that he has stood for, how he has stood up for our community in the past. And, and many of our canvassers and volunteers were folks who can't vote themselves. Uh, so their message to voters really was, you know, this is a candidate who, who has stood with us, who has pledged to continue standing with us, and who will be a champion for all Marylanders. I can't vote for him but I'm knocking on your door today so that you will vote for him because he's so important for all of us. And I think that message clearly resonated uh, with a lot of voters. 
That's an interesting outreach strategy, and it seems like Casa in Action is pretty involved in the governor's race. Um, is there anything else you can tell us about uh, Larry Hogan or Ben Jealous in relation to Casa? Uh, so obviously we're we're now entering another phase of the of the election period in the general election. Uh, Casa in Action is hoping to reach out to all kinds of voters. Uh, to let them know why our members voted to endorse Ben Jealous. What are the things that he has already done? What is the experience he's already shown? Uh, why And why in this particular moment that is so relevant? Why we need a leader uh, in Annapolis and leading our state? Right now, particularly, particularly when uh, we're living in an environment that is so hostile to people of color, to immigrants, uh, are there any other major partners or organization that CASA works with to accomplish its service and advocacy goals? Uh, so just this morning, I was, we were on a conference call with the ACLU of Maryland and with, the, uh, with CARE, the Council on American and Public Relations, uh, to put together some, some policy recommendations around family separation because we know that we have diverse perspectives. We know that um, we need to look at the big picture and that separating families at the border, separating families uh, here in, in, internally, separating families through over-criminalization of communities of color, and separating families uh, by implementing a travel ban are all connected. And that the more that we can bring these policy solutions together, uh, into into one comprehensive solution, the more people we can help and the more people and the more power we have to win. Great. And it sounds like there are so many ways to get involved. Um, what can our listeners do to get involved in helping immigrant communities in Maryland? I mean, I think people are starting to do it and we really appreciate it. Uh, stand up. Stand up, and when when you hear the call to action, that something is not right, that something is coming out of the White House or out of the Department of Justice that is fundamentally counter to our values as a people, to our values um, as a country, uh, stand up. And there's a lot of ways to do that, right? Many people stood up just this Saturday here in Patterson Park and also in Washington and all across the country. Um, the ways, and there's lots of ways that you can get involved. I will recommend if, you're, if you want to be active on uh, immigration issues, uh, the best thing is to take the lead from organizations that are working and directly led by immigrants. Uh, because obviously they, they have the direct lived experience to really guide uh, the work moving forward. Folks are welcome to follow us on Facebook and on Twitter, uh, Casa for All. Uh, or, or, or our political arm at Casa in Action. And uh, we, we have updates pretty much daily at this point of things that people can do at the local level, state level, and national level to really promote justice for immigrants across the country. Well, thank you so much for talking more about Casa de Maryland and getting our listeners to understand what exactly you do and what they can do to help immigrant populations. Um, Again, that was Elizabeth Alex from Casa de Maryland, Senior Director of Community Organizing. Thanks so much for your time, Liz. Thank you.
If you want to learn more, visit their website at wearecasa.org. As always, thanks for listening to the Our Maryland Politics and Policy Podcast. See you next time. Bye.